your neighbor and say, get ready for something great. I just want to praise you. I just want to praise you. Thank you, Father. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 3, to 9 to 17. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 3, as so now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Here am I. Then he said, Take now your only son, your take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him. There as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mounds of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and settled his donkeys and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Number 9 to 18. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. Of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bowed. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bowed Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand. Oh, Lord, stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, so he said, here I am. And he said unto him, do not lay your hands on the Lord or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the ticker by his own. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of a son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Come on, say the Lord will provide. As it is set this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of the heaven. And said, by myself I have sworn, say the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendant as the stars of the heavens and as the sun which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, your nation, all nations 
in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Praise the Lord. Let's read the last one together. The last one, don't go to 19, let's go to 18. Verse 18 say what? Let's read together. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Praise the Lord. The reason why this has been associated, the reason why this has been assigned or aligned with Abraham was because he obeyed. I want you to look at the face of your neighbor and say, neighbor, just obey God. Thank you. I want you to tell your neighbor, neighbor, just obey God. I am so excited to see smiles on your faces because I believe the church is going astray. We are so concerned about the beauty, the eloquency, and the fluency, and everything that concerns the church that has moved away from the spirit. We are so excited about it. But Bible, the basis of our Christianity is the basis of obedience to the voice of God. Without which there is no Christianity because Christianity is the association of obedience. To not man, but to God. Praise the Lord. I told you, let's go to, I told you that from, the, from Genesis, the beginning, to Revelation, which we could term as from the uttermost to the guttermost, from the top to the down, it all fabricated within the fabric of obedience. And I want you to understand that uh, in as much as one can argue much, the strength of a child when uh, sometimes I get so excited when I want to talk about parent, I want to talk about a family, because the identity of a father is quarantined within the fabric of the child obeying the father. A child can be wayward, a child can be doing something recklessly, and anybody could be talking and they will not be listening. But when the father comes in, the child has got a relationship of obedience to the father. And that is what determines the fatherhood and the sonship of a man. Amen. I want to take the opportunity to enlighten us. There are three fathers you have to respect. Three fathers, you, if you disobey any of them or you go astray, you are in trouble. We have your biological father. Say biological father. Uh, you have your biological father that God has positioned in your life to position you strategically for your sources. Then we have what we call father-in-law. Come on, tell your neighbor, have you got father-in-law yet? It is not fatherhood by blood, but it is by law. You can be successful with your biological father, but when you get married and you are not treating your, your father-in-law properly, that can intoxicate your life. Then above all, we have the, consola uh, the consolidation of the fathers. That is called your spiritual father. Who is able to call you into your father, your biological father could be your spiritual father. It is, it is, it is something that could happen. There is a tendency could happen. But everybody has got their placement. So your spiritual father is the one who comes to cement. He comes to consolidate. He comes to bind together. And that father will never pass away. In every point in your life, you should have a father. 
Some of us, we think when we get married and we walk out of our father's house, we don't need a father again. You are removed by one of the fathers, but your spiritual father, you must have a spiritual father until the time you die. Praise the Lord. Somebody like me, I've lost my biological father. I've lost my father-in-law. But the one I cannot allow to live my life is my spiritual father. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor you need it. Uh, praise the Lord. I don't, I, don't, I don't think all the three, I don't think they can be. Sometimes we tend to say that when my, mom, when my late man passed away, uh, we were handed over to my auntie who became our mother. Uh, but she also passed away. Amen. And so I think, I think I have to pause somewhere. Your biological parents, your biological father can pause somewhere because he's no more there. You can take people to be in place, but it's not the same. Praise the Lord. So that one is by birth. Then the, by law, at the moment I don't have by law, I don't have by blood. But I have the spiritual one. Praise the Lord. And when they talk into your life, God will make sure it comes to pass. How did I find out? The Bible said that Samuel was handed over to Eli. And the Bible said by the fact that he was given, he became the father. When God wanted to call this Samuel, the Bible said that the voice of God was the son of his father. And how did it happen? Upon the, the sin of the father, what the father was doing, disobedience of the father, the Bible said God could not pass the, the high priest, but had to go through him again. Praise the Lord. And I pray that today you will maximize your fathers. I say you will maximize your fathers. In Acts chapter 9 verse 8. In Acts chapter 9 verse 6. I'm going somewhere. Be with me. We're on a flight right now. Uh, I didn't do what I said I would do. Make sure that opens our off. Amen. We want to detach ourselves from the outside world. Amen. In Acts chapter 9 verse 6. Look at me carefully. The Bible said when Saul had an encounter with God, when he became, uh, when he was Saul, when he became Paul, he had an encounter with God. Look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do I, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. When you become a Christian, then you have to jump into an atmosphere of knowing what God wants you to be. That is the identity of your Christianity. So if you are a Christian and you have become born again, and you have not aligned or associated yourself to the voice of God, to comply, to obey, to submit to the voice of God, then you have not yet become a believer. You have not yet become a Christian. The identity of a Christian is their association with the voice of God and how they comply with the voice of God. When Saul became born again, the Bible said, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Praise the Lord. Our obedience to our God is a sign that we have encountered God. There are some of us, we have no association with the word of God. Therefore, when people see us, they don't see any God in us, even though we so say that we are born again. We are not born again until we obey God. Until we begin to 
we, we begin to circumcise ourselves from the delight of this world and we are obedient. Listen, there are times before you became born again, if somebody insults you, you want to deal with the person straight away. But you are following the dictatorship of natural law or, or your own philosophy. But when you become born again, the one thing that punishes your life is the strictures. So if you are born again and you have been a Christian for many years and you have not yet come to the point in obeying God as a lifestyle, say a lifestyle. You can't be born again and still be unforgiven. It means you have not, listen, one of the things I want you to understand as a born again child is that from this day onward in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, it said that life that I now live is no more I. You can't be arguing with people. You can't be insulting people. You, can't be in, you cannot be quarreling with people having bitterness in your heart. It is not a sign of somebody who has encountered God. Abraham was somebody who encountered God and he, his, his life was no more his. It became the life of God. Praise the Lord. When you are a Christian and a born-again child, you don't follow the economy trend. You follow the voice of God concerning the economy. Praise the Lord. Forget about what you've been told. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. You are not a Christian if you are in church. It doesn't qualify you. None of the scriptures that we read tells you. None of the, anything in the Bible says that when you go to church, you are a Christian. The only thing that quarantines you, the only thing that qualifies you in Acts of the Apostles, the Bible said when they saw the disciples and they saw everything they were doing, it was synonymous. It was just like Jesus. What? Of Jesus is in your life. When I became born again, even the causes, even at the moment when I'm choosing the job, I choose the job on the premises that I'm a Christian. I choose everything of my life. I chose my wife knowing that the call of God upon me, and I chose my wife based on the premises that I've been called by God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so everything you do, they should see God in it. Even the food you eat, they should see God in it. Even the way you eat, the way you sleep, you must see God in it. Praise the Lord. In Acts chapter 2 verse 37 to 38, it said, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the, to, to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Father for the remission of sin, and you shall receive. It is any time you encounter God, you want to check, what can I do? Ask your neighbor, what are you doing? Who are you obeying? In Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, the Bible said, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall be shall all inherit it. Listen, you must be an obedient child to the voice of God. Tell your neighbor, be a good child, be a good child. Amen. <laughs> Put your hands together for Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
In Genesis chapter 22, verse 22, it said, Then he said, Take now. Abraham took now. Why did he take now? God is a no- when God speaks to you, you don't argue with him. I told you from the discipleship class, I said, The thing I fear the most is not somebody who has taken the right step and is enjoying it, but somebody who has taken a, r- a right step and it looks as if it's a good step. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's just a matter of time. We have something, we have a, a particular stew. Uh, a particular soup. Uh, it is called peanut soup. Amen. How many know peanut soup? Peanut soup is really nice. And if you don't prepare it properly, you will discover that there is a problem when you eat it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going somewhere. Be with me. Let me go indirectly. When you prepare granola soup, There is a particular way you have to prepare it. And when you go wrong, sometimes you have to identify the wrong immediately you see the granola soup. Immediately. The appearance of the food will tell you something is wrong. But there are certain people who can hide behind the wrong. And you will see it and you will not see that there is something wrong with it. Okay? So you will eat it. So some of us bounce out when we see it. But some people, you can't see it. It looks like it's correct, but it's not. Then you try it. When you eat it, you've eaten the wrong. So you have the replications of the wrong. When you eat it and you go home in the evening, you start feeling some things in your stomach. It doesn't matter who begs you. I remember many, some, some, few, years, some few years ago, my, myself and my missus, my wife, we were invited. We, we just passed through. You know, as a pastor, when you're going somewhere, as a, a member is doing a party or something, you have to pass by, show that you, you care. So we went for this party. It was an Indian party. And when we got there, uh, I said, I'm not eating. I'm just going in and coming out. But we, my wife was compelled by the lady who was doing it to have a taste of a particular type of food. So I didn't want to eat it, so I decided to pick a meat. I picked meat. You know the pastor like meat. So I just picked the meat from the soup. But the meat was in the soup. So when my wife didn't pick a meat in the stew, but he did what? He ate the stew and the meat. But I picked some of the meat. When we went back home, the whole night we couldn't sleep. It doesn't matter whether she was pleaded, she was compelled to eat or not. If you, somebody plead with you to take something wrong, it shall become wrong. So if you allow your life to be directed by the wrong people, you will face a consequence. It doesn't matter whether you were pleaded or you willingly accepted it, you will face a consequence. Early in the morning, we came straight away and we found the lady. And the lady said, sorry, the food you tasted, everyone who tried it. Was in trouble the whole night. Come on, tell your neighbor, be careful what you jump yourself into. It doesn't matter whether somebody pleaded with you, somebody compels you. That is why you have to be careful the step you take in your life. You will face a consequence. Praise the Lord. My Bible said that he said what? He said, God told him. And I told you that we have eight reasons why we have to obey 
the voice of God. Reasons why it's important to obey God. And I said the first one is that Jesus calls us into a lifestyle of what? Obedience. The second one was that obedience is an act, is an act of worship. You can say you worship God and you don't obey God. It is possible. Praise the Lord. But how come that we are in a lifestyle, in a Christian life, where people don't, be, they don't trust God, they don't obey God, and they call themselves Christians? Ask your neighbor, are you one of them? Praise the Lord. The third reason why you must obey God is that God rewards obedience. Praise the Lord. God obeys obedience. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 16 to 18, and the Bible said, And God said, By myself I have sworn, say the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, and as the sun of the shore, because you have obeyed me. There are some of us, no amount of curse can curse us. No amount of rejection can reject us because we are walking under an umbrella of obedience. The Bible said that Abraham, don't think that you can use your confession to take what obedience will give you. Should I repeat it? Some of you think you can appropriate the goodness of God by, by a declaration. Abraham, the Bible said, the soul of your feet, wherever you the soul of your feet shall step, you will possess the land. It was based on the premise of obedience. Obedience is the key. It is not because I want to, but because God wants me to do it. Praise the Lord. Some of us, it doesn't matter what we are doing. That is why you have to trust God for the supply. Verse number 18 said, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. Praise the Lord. Some of you, you didn't encounter. Listen, sometimes you don't experience the goodness of God immediately or instantaneously. Why? Because there is a time for everything. There is somebody you shouldn't have given that money to. But because you were touched by God to give it to the person. There is no logic in the kingdom. The logic reasoning in the kingdom is nonsensical. Walking by method and signs. You have to be able to associate yourself with the voice of God and obey the voice of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, obey the voice of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Obey the voice. Tell your neighbor, obey the voice. So the voice of God is a war. It is, it must become war. It's, there is a reward. Nobody will obey God and will not be rewarded. I promise you. If you obey God, you will be rewarded. There is a reward. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember when I had a job, when I took my new job, I don't know why. Sometimes there are times God will hide the purpose for which he sent you somewhere. He will hide it. 
Because what is the point in knowing? Knowing gives you the assurance to take the step. You, you saw the scripture we use at the discipleship class. It said the kingdom of God can be related to a man who searched and found and went to sell everything to come and possess the land. There is a time for searching. There are times you will not even be sure what is going on. When Abraham was commanded by God, he wasn't even sure about what. If you want total assurance, you can't make high profit. There is something we call risk. Risk is uncertainty. Praise the Lord. Everything about my life, since the age of 15 when I got born again, everything about my life is on the premise of obeying the voice of God. There are times some of you think that it is because I'm a pastor, that is why I'm able to obey God, that is why I do what I do. It is because God told me I was a dead body. I told somebody last few days, uh, last, last night, I said that I remember many years ago when I went, I went to the toilet, I was somewhere, and when I was there, I started seeing things dropping and not knowing I was dazing and I was, I don't know what was happening to me. I had to rush myself outside, jumping, jumping, and I fell behind, I thought I fell behind the door. Not, I thought I fell in front of the door. Not knowing I fell behind the door. And somebody had a cup of tea, finished drinking the tea. And she said, let me put this at the gate. And something compelled this lady to go in the building. And when she came into the building, that is when she had the bank of me falling down. I didn't fall in front of the door. I fell behind the door. And by the time the person held me, I was, I was gone. Rushed me to the hospital, and that is how God delivered me. So if I have my life, the life I have, my whole life was dead ages ago. The one I have is the one that God brought. And that life must please the Father. I thought you clapped there. It is not because... I am supernatural. It does not be, because the life, if you know the man, listen, you can't give what you don't have. <laughs> Should I break it down? Say, I can't give what I don't have. Then I'm asking you, why don't you give what you have? <laughs> you can't give what you don't want. You don't have. God will not expect what you don't have. So why not obey him? Because whatever he's asking you to do, you can do it. And you've chosen not to do it. Listen, my whole life is a test. I don't want to share my life with you. Abraham knows how God brought him out. Brought him out of his father's house. People criticizing him, telling him to make the wrong decision. He said, if I make the wrong decision in God, will I make the wrong decision? I want to obey God and obey man because there is a guarantee that the voice of God can never be lying. Tap your neighbor and say, obey the voice of God. Number four, obedience to God prove our love. <laughs> He said, well, I now know that you love me. That is what God said to Abraham. Don't tell me you love me and do nothing to prove it. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, prove your love for God. How much do you love God? Amen. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 to 3, it said, by, he, by this we know without any doubt, the Amplified. 
He said, by this we know without any doubt that we love, that we love the children of God, expressing that love. When we love God, we obey his commandment. For the, for the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commandment and remain focused on his precept. And his commandment and his precept are not difficult to obey. Praise the Lord. The sign of you loving God is not wearing the nice suit you have or wearing the nice things you have or putting on your medicare, your pedicure, and, and doing putting on makeups and walking with your your you know showing your oh, oh, uh, uh, okay. And walking and dangling and, 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 and walking majestically and smiling and telling and the fatness of your Bible. It has no correlation with your love for God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Your love, forget about what somebody has already told. I'm telling you the scriptures. The sign of your love for God is how you treat God. We are saying we are meeting at 11 o'clock. You see people running. There is a church I know in, back home. When you go, you see people arranging tests. And, and uh, they are not ordinary men. They are doctors. A church like Winners Chapel many years ago. You go and see doctors, lawyers, all the big jobs you can think about. They are cleaning things. They are doing everything. He said, whatever I have was given to me by God. What have you sacrificed for God? I am in UK because, listen, where I am at the moment, when I go back home, I'll be better off than I'm here, but because I'm obeying God. I've met people who are experiencing the heat I'm feeling. The things I'm feeling, when it is not me feeling it, and it goes to any other person, they want to change their mind to go back. Praise the Lord. It is a sacrificial work. Some people say, Pastor doesn't have time. Yes, I don't have time. I don't wear a watch. Praise the Lord. The things I do, ask me, why do you do them? It's because I love God. When you see somebody who loves God, he protects and takes care of the things of God. Young people, we love God because remember thy creator in the days of thy youth because a time cometh where thou will not be able to do things again. Brother Edward gets up every Saturday because no, he doesn't have anything to do. Because he loved God, he caters for the things of God. How much do you love God? He said, if you, I don't want people to obey my commandment. The only thing that qualifies the believer to to, to to obey the commandments of God is your love for God. Praise the Lord. Your love is a sign, is a proof of your war, of your love. In John, Second John, Second John, chapter, chapter six. There's only one chapter. It said, "And this, and this is love, that we walk in accordance with His commandment, and are guided continually by His precept." This is a commandment just as you have heard from the beginning. That you should always walk in love. Commandment. Please don't, don't deceive yourself. Praise the Lord. 
Jesus' love for his father made him obey him to die on the cross. Not by will, but not my will be done, but thy will be done. Praise the Lord. Your love for God, your obedience to God is the proof of your love for God. <laughs> there are times I come to church and I'm preaching and I have headache. There are times I come to prayer meetings and I'm tired and I have and my body is weak. There are times I go home and I am broken. I don't even know my left from my right. The reason why I do this is for, to leave inheritance for you and my children. Somebody said it is not easy. Who told you it must be easy? The uneasiness of the situation is that we determine the true identity of those who love him. It is not the easiness of it. The easiness of it is not a qualification to do it. It must be hard and must be able to, one must be able to do it because we receive grace from above. Number five, obedience to God demonstrates our faith. Obedience to God does what? It demonstrates our faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. You saying that I don't see it, but I obey him. That is a sign. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 to 6, it said, And this is how we know daily by experiencing that we have come to know him, to understand him, and be more deeply acquainted with him. If we habitually keep focus on his precept and obey his commandment teachings. Whoever say I have come to know him. But does not habitually keep focus of his precept and obey his commandment teachings. Is a liar. And the truth of the divine word is not in him. But whoever habitually keep this commandment and obey his precept and, and treasure his message. In his entirety, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. It has completed and has reached maturity. By this we know for certain that we say that we are in him. Whoever say that there is, he, he loved God and you don't, uh, it is the sign of your love for God. If you have faith and you say, I trust God, I have faith in God, your obedience is your identity, it's your badge. Praise the Lord. I'll do the part three. Let's look at me. The church, a Christian, the foundation of Christianity was based. On these things. The Bible said the disciples were given a promise. And their obedience in the upper room was the assurance that they have hope in God. I want you to understand that there are times the only things the apostles had was not anything but a promise. And as you hear the sound of my voice, what you are hearing is the promises of God concerning your life. 
And if you can obey just a promise, a promise not from a man, but from a God. He said, not only will I bless you, Abraham, I am going to create a system. And that system is going to transcend into your generation. Your children will enjoy it because I, the Lord, have decided to bless you. There are certain blessings that can only come to our children when we obey God. Everything about your life must be obedience to God. When you're coming to church, it is on the premise of you obeying God. If it had not been God, you would not even come to church. But because you carry the promises of God and you know the blessing that comes through the word, that is how you can receive it. Anybody who wants to see the glory of God must walk in obedience. It is a symbol of your faith. Hallelujah. It is a symbol of your word. Your faith. Now I want to ask you a question. Are you a Christian? Do you obey God? Is it when the conditions are okay, then you decide to obey Him? Stand on your feet. Thank you, Father. This is my desire. I want us to sing this song. Listen. It's all about your obedience to God. And the one who can judge that obedience is God. He will never be partial. The Bible says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, he's a rewarder of them that completely and totally and habitually obey him. This is my desire. I want you to hold the hand of your neighbor for two minutes. You want to pray that the Bible says he gave us assurance that he has not given us freedom of fear, but of boldness of sound mind. You want to pray for your brother or sister, every fear that tried to cripple them in disobeying God that causes them not to obey God. You want to pray that the fear will be eradicated. The fear will be erased completely. Begin to pray for them. 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 Begin to pray for them and say, God, let every fear be aborted. Let every fear that I've been incubated in your life to overcome every fear in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I see many seas of obedience germinating. But I pray, God, and may we pay attention to them. That we will benefit the fullness of the benefit that comes with it. In the realms of the spirit, I see corn, the seed germinating. But lack of absolute trust in what we are doing, we have one foot in, one foot out. I pray that today God will saturate us. The baptism of obedience will come to us. That husbands will love their wife in obedience to God. That our finances will em- be empowered by God. The Bible said when we give a Shabbat, giving them back unto us, praise, our presence shaken together, will you cause men to give unto our bosom? May we begin to receive the blessings of obedience. May we begin to receive the reward so that others will see and believe in you. I pray that as we enter into a new week, may we encounter God. As we obey, may we see the goodness of his power in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the 